Welcome, everyone. We've got two matches to recap, two matches to preview, and one hour to get it all done. This is the Orange and Black Soccer Cast. Again, it is uh, I, uh, at OCSE underscore Dylan, as always. Um, I am always here. I am the leading uh, person to make appearances on this podcast. Uh, and quickly coming up into second place is the man controlling all of this fun stuff that you can watch right now, Mr. Uh, Alan Underwood. Alan, hey, I played the wrong video. You? Good. Yeah, but that's okay, right? Um, yeah. Because, you know, we're doing it, so it's not going to be that crazy of a show or I'm i mean sorry, i can no. play the pride month one now if you want or the regular introduction that none of us really enjoy but i want you to play the one from 2018 2019 um that goes on for like a minute i can just i can just play a bunch of videos right now and pretend it's the 2018 2019 video yeah let's uh let's not do that um All right. but we do have some other friends to welcome on the show tonight as as always or in recent member memory excuse me as always uh mr bradley plonsky up in reno brad how are you i'm doing well i got a good chuckle out of the uh the errors but yay welcome to the orange and black soccer cast baby it's the same every time you've got alan and i running things so apologies and uh we'll see you next week to everyone that's given up now um but not to forget about anyone we have a um returning guest for his fourth or fifth time now we've got jacob from down in the valley jacob welcome back to the orange and black soccer cast how are things in southern texas oh great to be back yeah things are pretty well for for rgv i mean talk about it. we're leading the mountain division by the way it's as flat as can be here in the valley so don't know why it's called the mountain division but other than because well we only have el paso which has some some mountains but that's about it um other than that yeah it's it's been pretty well i'm glad i'm glad to hear it um well like i said we've got two matches to to cover before we even start talking about uh what's to come so uh really 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 briefly uh, Orange County played Tacoma last Wednesday night. Um, we were there. We, we did the show thing. Um, it was kind of a disaster. And then the what happened on the field was less, less of a Wow. I, there's already hate speech going on in the comments. I'm not even going to acknowledge the existence of anything like that. But uh, not, not the best result for Orange County. Not the best performance for Orange County. We saw Miko Kuningas for the first time this season, I believe, play as uh, number seven um, as an inverted winger, which was interesting. Uh, found Iromarkana up top as he is our only uh, fit senior striker. And, uh, well, nothing was nothing was going on. Uh, Alan, your thoughts on this match? Um, it was... Yeah, it was it was pretty uh, pretty dull. I think I stopped taking notes or paying attention to details kind of 50th minute or so. Um, 
I think um, maybe one of those games that Orange County is just trying to rediscover themselves offensively uh, and didn't quite click that match as you had some, you know, international call-ups and some injuries. Uh, just trying to find that scoring touch. And I think um, I think um, overall it was a pretty dull match. But I, I, I think they, you know, sometimes you have those ugly matches and sometimes you get a win and sometimes it ends up being a snooze fest. Yeah. Um, in the 90 minutes, there were a whopping three shots on target. And that was both teams combining for that one. So Bradley, um, some, some final, <laughs> final thoughts on this match that we can soon forget about. Thank God. The other match we played this week was better. That's all I have to say about this game. Beautiful. Um, what is maybe worth noting was there were quite a few yellow cards. Um, Calvillo, Chris Wien, Nathan Smith, and Ero Markkinen all picked up bookings. Uh, Ero was, was pretty funny, but um, quite a lot of bookings are going to start causing a little bit of a headache moving forward. And we really don't have the depth at the moment. But um, moving away from three shots on target into a much better performance uh, in which Orange County only had three shots on target themselves, uh, 2-0 over Sacramento Republic on Saturday evening. And uh, two goals for Orange County, two red cards for Sacramento. There's a lot to discuss about this one. So, Bradley, as the one that is geographically closest to Sacramento, you want to start this one off? Yeah, um, my highlight of this game has to be um, the return of one Mr. Patrick Krakowski. The man made seven saves, including... uh, an absolutely stunner save where he was diving off a header. It, you have to watch it. It's on the Orange County uh, Twitter page. But Patrick Rakowski comes back from injury and with seven saves uh, is one of my men of the match, if not for a Chris Weehan who scored early on. I think it was the seventh minute and had an assist on the uh, goal by Mr. Oloski. Um also, I do got to mention that Alaski scored in two games for Orange County, both games in Sacramento and both games with me in attendance. Um, if that doesn't say anything about I am a good luck charm to Mr. Alaski, then I don't know what is. Well, if it happens again, then I think we can all say that uh, <laughs> Bradley might actually be the good luck charm. And then we can send him to every single match because Brian Alaski is probably going to play a little bit. Um, Alan, were you watching any part of this game or was San Diego playing? Uh, San Diego was not playing. I did watch this match. Um, I think I turned it off a little bit early, so I missed the double yellow. Um, I, I thought it was, um, I thought Orange County did enough to win. Um, I thought that the announcers got the Nathan Smith card wrong, but the uh, red card wrong, right. I think that that should have been a yellow card. Uh, on the tackle, uh, clearly from behind, uh, not a clean tackle, but clearly playing the ball, which I believe is the new rule. If you're playing the ball um, and not just taking the man out, it should be a, a yellow card. Um, and I, I do think there's a little bit of um, some correctness there, uh, but I was uh, super mad that they're like, what's the difference with that Nate Smith thing? I was like, well, there's none. That's why it should be um uh, that's why it should be a yellow card. And I think they rescind USL did rescind that ban. Um, yeah. Andy 
put that out there. League rescinded the red card, and I think that's the right call. Um, obviously, I don't think it necessarily changed the match. I think Orange County was doing a good enough job with that match uh, to get a win there. Uh, Sacramento hasn't won in like four and a half years, it seems like. Um, things are not going super well there. So I, I, I think that there's a little bit of frustration uh, which showed up uh, both on the pitch and off the pitch uh, regarding That's- that call or the, those calls. And anytime things aren't going well with your team, you don't want to criticize your team. You want to criticize officials or bad, you know, bad subs or, you know, whatever. I, I, I think there's a little bit of that and we have to give Sacramento some grace. Cause I think if any of our teams were going through something like that, we'd be trying to find excuses as opposed to, um, pointing fingers at players because you you develop that love for the players and you don't want to put that blame on them. But I think Sacramento got outplayed. Orange County reba- rebounded um, and found that secondary scoring that they've been kind of missing. Chris Weehan stepping up and Brian Olosky stepping up is huge for Orange County. Um, and they're going to need that, I think, again, uh, you know, tomorrow. Um, and it's going to make them more dangerous and not put too, too much pressure on marketing because I think he's filling that as well. Yeah, no, so, this is a Sacramento team with two goals in their last five games. Uh, I I mentioned it last week, and they can do everything except put the ball in the goal, and I think we saw that perfectly going on there. Um, Sacramento was dangerous at times getting the ball in the middle of, of the box, but I remember one moment distinctly where two players were caught looking at the ball, and Nathan Smith was five yards away, um, and he was the third closest person to the ball and the closest Orange County member. Um, he gets there first because the other two guys are so caught up in what do we do? You know, who takes the shot here? You know, um, so Sacramento has those problems to figure out. Uh, hopefully they don't figure them out by the next time they play on July 24th in Orange County for the fourth time that they meet this season. Fair. Um, not not too much more assessment to go from this one. Uh, I do have to agree with Alan that it was really, and apparently now the league, that was not a red card um, from no. Kibinucci. Um, But I will take it uh, because those things happen. And apparently Sacramento, I've said in the past, these games are basically always like playoff games. And it doesn't really seem like Sacramento is up for that task mentally. And certainly the results for them, they are definitely not up for that. Um and that's a little bit disappointing because they are one of maybe the better teams in the league, but it seems like they might be having a little bit of a hangover at the moment from that MLS bid going south. Um, there's probably a joke in there about San Diego and and it being south, but that's this isn't a geography podcast. Um, Mitch Tanner picked up two yellow cards and uh, saw red uh, pretty late on, though. So... An interesting match, to say the least. Um, and then, well, Aiden Apodaca signed or announced on Thursday. I believe I saw him there last yes. Tuesday um, or Wednesday, whatever day that was that we played uh, Tacoma. I believe I saw him in the stands, but couldn't quite put it together. And, and he made his Orange County debut. So uh, right out from El Paso. Alan says the game is on Tuesday. Thank you, Alan. Right out from El Paso, straight into the eighteen straight doing it um probably worth mentioning orange county only named six substitutes for this match uh they can name seven so that really speaks i think to the lap lack of depth excuse me that the club has at the moment um and probably one final note for this one uh luis felipe fernandez came on as a substitute and did not attempt or successfully behead any of our players for the first time in three appearances 
So good round of applause to Luis um, for that one. Um, good result from Orange County. Pretty good performance from Orange County, despite conceding a good amount um, in the stats. We had seven shots on target. Rakowski had a pretty good night. Um, but you know what? When your team plays well, sometimes you win games like this where you, you don't necessarily put the stats up there on the board, um, but you still come away with what is a pretty comfortable win. And conversely, for Sacramento, when you are playing poorly, things like dumb red cards happen. And if you haven't won a match in two months now, that probably tanks your mentality and makes it that much easier. But I won't uh, I won't complain too much and I won't lament for them. Orange County now, after 11 matches played, two points off of uh, Pacific Conference leaders Phoenix and uh, three points ahead with a match in hand as well over this, oh, I'm sorry, tomorrow's opponents, San Diego Loyal. So, um, Alan, <clears throat> you are the resident San Diegan here. Do you want to maybe give us a little bit of background what's going on other than Miguel Barry is no longer in San Diego? Yeah, I think that's the the biggest news is uh, the difference from the first match is that San Diego is very much in that same space that Orange County is where they're trying to reestablish their attack uh, with some Miguel Barry being recalled from uh, loan uh, or recalled from his loan to Columbus and he scored his first MLS goal uh, in the hell is real or whatever that silly thing with Cincinnati is called. Um, but I think the back line is really solidifying. Um, they tend to give up about a goal per game at home, uh, but tend to score a couple um, hell is real. And that's why it's in Ohio. Good job. Um, I think San Diego and Orange County are both in kind of similar positions. They're playing really well. Uh, they're both on kind of a hot streak. Neither team has lost uh, in lost in the month of June or so far in the month of July. So that's a, a pretty big reason why San Diego and Orange County have made up so much ground on uh, Phoenix. And with Phoenix dropping points, this is a great opportunity for Orange County to come in and try to put a marker down and re reestablish themselves as um, kind of a first place team and San Diego is going to try and defend and control ball possession. And I think it's going to be a really interesting matchup with orange County, maybe conceding possession a little bit um, and playing on the counterattack and orange and San Diego wanting to control the ball. So it's going to be a really fun chess match to see who, uh, who comes out on top of this one. Um, and um, I'm super excited because I, I don't think it's gonna be a high scoring match. Uh, but I do think it's going to be a really interesting matchup between two teams who are going to be playing to their strengths. It is um, it is fair to say that Orange County is likely going to concede possession. Um, and they've managed it quite well in the past. Uh, if you can think back 12 whole days, which was something like three matches ago against Colorado Springs, go on up to 6,600 feet, play Colorado Springs, Blank Colorado Springs, blank Haji Berry, with a whopping 32% possession. So um, possession is mostly a garbage stat. It exists kind of in a vacuum because it does not tell you what teams do with it. But ultimately, if you do something great with it, like score a goal in the 18th minute and score a goal in the 90th minute, well, you come away with a really good victory and you make things a little bit uh, tighter for uh, Jacob down there in the valley. But um, <laughs> before we get to him, Brad, 
what are your uh, what are your expectations for Orange County going into this match? I really don't know what to expect. You know, San Diego has been a definitely improved team in this uh, second quarter of the season, or first, third, whatever you want to call it. Um, you know, what's that? Four wins and a draw in their last five games. Uh, have also haven't been defeated since the month of June started. Like Alan said, um, we're not doing score predictions right now, are we? I don't know. We'll we'll get okay. Awesome, we'll get there. Awesome. Give us a minute. Okay. Um. Then to continue on. Um. You know, this is going to be a unstoppable force meets an unmovable object here. Um. So you never know what's going to happen. Uh. One team could easily score a goal and turtle up the rest of the game, and we see a one-zero win for a team. Um. Hopefully, Orange County is able to make something work. Uh, I think adding Aiden Apodaca to the mix, uh, you know, former Reno player, obviously I have to be a homer for it. Um, but hopefully he can fill in that Ronaldo Damas role of stretching the field because he, just like Damas, is fast. And although I think uh, Damas is a little faster than uh, Apodaca, Apodaca definitely has the talent to finish a lot of those opportunities uh, if he is given any so hopefully if he does make it into the starting or onto the 18 onto the field, um, Abdaka can make something happen with that. Also, Chris Behan's been playing well recently. Um, a goal and assist in the last game um, means that he's hopefully starting to find his, his legs in the uh, lineup again and be able to make an impact. Uh, so if players like those two are really making and – and being successful on the field, uh, Orange County can sneak a result on the road here. Miguel Berry, uh, not the only departure for San Diego in this one. Um, Alan, can you speak yep. a little bit more to a name that I am even not comfortable with? <laughs> Thomas, Thomas Van Kenzeli. Um, he was essentially sold to Birmingham. Uh, it was for cash considerations. Uh, and he had been playing on the back line, but he, uh, before he left for international duty, he was actually kind of playing that Michael Orozco role that we saw him play where he stepped up into the midfield and kind of played this like holding midfield position. Uh, but with Colin Martin and, and Charlie Adams, who Orange County fans uh, know pretty well, uh, they've been kind of holding down those positions really nicely and they play really well off of each other. They, the strengths really um, play off of each other well. I, I, I think it was more of a... Um, Josh Yarrow stepping into that role and being a, a dynamite center back, um, getting um, Grant Stoneman back from injury. He was injured in the very first game against Phoenix. I just was seeing there, there was some limited minutes there and heavy rotation maybe um, that maybe he wasn't going to get the minutes he really wanted. And apparently Birmingham pulled a godfather and made San Diego an offer they couldn't refuse from all reports. Uh, and that sent him to Birmingham, and we wish him nothing but the best. Uh, he was a phenomenal player. I just think that as things kind of solidified, uh, and then him being on international duty, I think um, his role was limited, and um, yeah. Okay, well, we'll take one look back at the Orange County-San Diego match from this season. I don't necessarily think it's super fair to look at 2020. And yes, we will ask Jacob in a second if he, for some reason, decides to watch the insanity that is the Pacific Conference uh, 1-1 uh, back on June 9th. And, well, 
probably unsurprisingly, San Diego with 59% of the possession, uh, 10 shots, 5 on target. I don't know. I think Allen's prediction is right, but I think this is uh, much like... Uh, oh, man, what's his name? Brad. There we go. Almost said Andy. Almost said Ray. Whew, it's been a rough one. Uh, an unstoppable force meets an immovable object. Uh, Jacob, finally. It's been a few minutes. If you have anything here, the floor is yours. All right. Well, I mean, we're talking about, um, of course, some two great teams in the Pacific Conference. I can tell you one one thing is RGVFC got to play against uh, Seattle or, well, Seattle, San Diego Loyal earlier this season, very early on, of course, when San Diego were still getting their their feet on the ground, basically, is what it seemed like. So, I mean, there's definitely a little bit of insight for that squad. And it's just one of those situations where they kind of have themselves a good home field advantage. But from what I've been able to see, it's kind of like RGVFC a little bit, where it seems like at some aspects of it, they struggle to get something. They are just, they struggle to really get the feel of the game sometimes. And so that's, has allowed a lot of their opponents to basically just kind of almost steamroll through. I mean, we talked about it. I think it was, I think I'm getting this correct. Phoenix Rising had to come back from 2-0 down. So maybe I've got a little bit backwards, but one of the situations is if they do get a lead, they could be that team where they basically lose all three points that they had and either end up losing three to two or, you know, lose two to two because they just lose that type of focus, in my opinion, at the end of the game. And so, I mean, that's something that Orange County can definitely pounce on. Uh, Jacob, you you mentioned it was early on in the season, and I, I do seem to remember that the, uh, the Toros down there um, were kind of on a little bit of a hot streak, uh, and San Diego had come off the back of a pretty humbling 4-1 defeat in Phoenix. So um, given that things have maybe seen, um, how did a high-scoring, pretty exciting side to watch at that very moment uh, fare against San Diego? Yeah, it. I mean, everything just fell into place for RGVFC at home. They had the home crowd behind them, and that was the biggest thing. I think really just when San Diego's on the road, they have a lot of problems. And I think that's what we've noticed throughout this season for that Pacific Conference for basically San Diego Loyal. So basically, is like I said, I think it's more of their back line. And RGVFC were able to basically just take advantage and get shots on goal, which is something that, well, us Toros fans are not used to. And let's be honest, last season, I think they were managing two shots on goal a game. And this season, it's like five shots on goal a game. So it's just – it's that different side of mentality for both teams. And I think, of course, San Diego, they got they got their stuff together for sure now. And I think they're going to be a little bit tougher. But at that same time, I think they still have those underlying mistakes where if OCSC are able to just really find it underneath – well, just find those loopholes kind of, you know, the – 
just the openings from that defensive side of San Diego Loyal, then I think OCSC can come out with a win. But it's possible these two teams will just end up drawing about one-to-one or even two-to-two. I love it. Well, we have the first prediction in, so uh, let's go in reverse order. Brad, who's winning? Who's tying? Who's scoring? Give me um, something. The first the first match of the year was a one-to-one draw. I I really don't see anything other than the same scoreline unless uh, something miraculous happens. I think both teams are in really good form. Uh, both teams are pushing for top two, if not home playoff games. Uh, so I see one-to-one this game. Uh, Alan, we'll go to you. Uh, to be consistent with my prediction on Fairweather podcast about an hour ago, I said uh, this is going to be a 1-0 San Diego victory. Um, I, I think San Diego plays much better at home than they do on the road, like Jacob pointed out. Um, I don't think they play poorly on the road. I think uh, if you watch back some of those games, I think Jacob's right. These little blips of mental laps, uh, RGV was able to take advantage of that on their goal. Uh, Louisville was able to score a pretty fluky goal to pull all three points out. Um, Yes, they have um, a a propensity of giving away points at the end of the match. There is a chance for Orange County to really put it on at the end. Um, I think they have some opportunities on some set pieces as well. Uh, But I think it's going to be a low-scoring game. I think Orange County has to manage minutes in this match as well, Uh, playing Saturday again. They're playing Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday. Um, so they're already depleted as far as um, their depth, and so I, th- I think they'd have to be careful and pick their spots, and I think uh, it's going to be a low-scoring affair, so a 1-0 San Diego Loyal victory. Wow. Um, I, I, I think that you're right, Alan, but ultimately I don't want to predict an Orange County loss um, because I'm still going to be a homer on this podcast, so I'm going to say 1-1 like Brad. I mean, uh, you know, why not? I, I think ultimately these two teams are, are far too close to have any sort of concrete idea of what's going to happen unless something truly crazy happens. But I, I just don't see it happening. What I am looking forward to is another good time between these two sides. Um, it was really nice to see a lot of the people who, a lot of the locals um, who came up about a month ago, and I'm excited to head down tomorrow. So, for anyone from Orange County heading down to this match, come say hi. I'll be one in eleven. I'll be in one eleven, uh, streaming my face off. Um, but you know, uh, look at this: two really good teams. Pretty, uh, pretty early on in San Diego's existence. I do want to say one thing. Finally, is uh, someone's going to complain about the amount of loanies that San Diego has brought in. Welcome to the USL, baby. Um, I, I don't know what else to say. It's a valid thing to do when when teams have players that aren't getting playing time and, and they need playing time. And look what happens. We bring in uh, a handful of players and they get and they and they play well and then they get recalled. Um, and both of these players just happen to play for terrible teams from Ohio. We're not that dissimilar. I hope that we are a, a good uh, good friendly rivalry here. Um, but enough on that one. It's another short turnaround. Uh, and thankfully, not a trip to McAllen or uh, Edinburgh. Is it Edinburgh or is it Edinburgh? Because it is Texas. 
So it's Edinburgh, Texas, but it's funny. So I don't know why everybody does this because Austin Bold, guess what? They don't technically play in Austin. And yet the stadium's HEB Park in Edinburgh, Texas, but it's not technically Edinburgh. It's, uh, I forget exactly the little town it's called or a little, I don't know what it is. Basically, Hidalgo County. Uh, but it's not, yeah, you can call it Edinburgh, Texas, but it's just, it's actually a different name under where it actually is, which is hilarious. But yeah, that's where it'll be. Luckily, of course. Oh yeah, yeah. Luckily, y'all won't have to travel here. It'll be the opposite for RGDFC traveling up to Orange County, which I don't think that's actually too bad considering it's just. I mean, it's it's a road trip, and RGDFC have been on the road for the whole month now, so that's fun. Well, it's plenty humid here. I've been informed that we don't actually have a specific number from you, Jacob, for this prediction. So if we can get a number, literally any number, or two numbers um, for the score prediction between San Diego and Orange County, that'd be oh, great. And, yeah. and I do encourage you to pick something as heinous and unlikely as possible. All right. Well, okay. Then we're going to go crazy here. Let's talk about both teams playing with nine men. No joke, that's going to happen. It's going to be very ugly out there. So both teams playing with nine men. And then we're going to have some crazy goal scoring from that because it's going to be about two penalties each. And so, yeah, that's already two goals right there. But we're talking five to five time. <laughs> well, I like that I'm all peace and love and let's have a good time tomorrow night. And uh, Jacob, much like uh, Andy in the comments, woke up and chose violence. So some horrific um, dog fight tomorrow night is going to see a 5-5 draw. Uh, thank you for picking something truly horrific. Uh, so that uh, Ray, who is not here tonight, does not get any points. Um, Jacob? Hey, who, who knows? Here. It could come true. Please know we, we <laughs> don't need any suspensions uh, or any more injuries. Uh, it's plenty humid here. That's all I can offer you. But what do we look for in an RGV side at this point in the season? Well, RGVFC have been fantastic at home. But lately in the season, they're, they were able to get three points on their last game at home, which was fantastic. But the last two games were not that great with, of course, a loss against their rivals, Austin Bold, which was terrible considering that, well, they played Austin Bold this past week. this past, Yeah, this past Wednesday, actually. And he got a one-to-one draw in Austin when they were down by one goal. So that's another thing to also just quickly mention is RGVFC have not seen, have not been able to get that first go-ahead goal on the road. They've either had to come back and draw or have only gotten that one, exactly one, two, and two in the last five. But they've only been able to get that one win, and that was against um, Miami FC on the road. So they find themselves with one win on the road and that's it. And of course the rest of the games, they've been able to do fine at home. We wish it was better for sure because of El Paso locomotive who somehow some way were able to find themselves 
three games back of the whole league. And what I mean by that is they have had three games in hand. I think they still do actually right now. I think it was at four games at one point. They were able to play one more and catch back up to RGBFC. So they potentially hold the lead of the Mountain Conference, which is crazy. So exactly at one, one and three on the road. It's one of those situations where I think it it is the coach. And what I mean by that is just what Wilmer Cabrera decides to do on the road, which is he kind of backs off a little bit and doesn't necessarily push at home too much. And then we find little blips from the defensive side where they've been very strong this season to where it just all of a sudden they make a little bit of mistakes. And then, of course, it's up to Tyler Derrick to save every single shot. Guess what? Tyler Derrick's not going to save every single shot. No goalkeeper is going to be able to do that at all. There's no way that you can keep a clean sheet every single time. So that's an issue. I said Sinatra says the key is the shots off target that the team is gathering. Accuracy isn't great. That is 100% true. So just one of those situations. Anything can definitely happen. I think the accuracy needs to be better, just like Edson says, and we'll see. Yeah, I do want to give a little bit of credit uh, to Edson, who I I believe is also uh, on Down in the Valley with you. Mm-hmm. Um, you happen to have a former Orange County player on your roster, and that is, uh, of course, he, I believe he made a whopping one appearance for Orange County in uh, Ronald Alexis Cerritos Castaneda. I believe that is his full name. Cerritos. Um, what have you seen from him this season, Jacob? He's actually, yeah, he's been very impressive. I think it, it's just one of those situations where he had to get um, just used to the team, kind of. And he's been able to do that slowly but surely. And I think Cerritos uh, Castaneda has been fantastic. He's gotten, of course, he gets substituted a couple of times, but he's the lone striker half sometimes, of course. A lot of times you'll see RGVFC go with a 4-2-3-1, especially at home. Yes, of course, it's a little bit more of an attacking form, but you'll see Casaneda up front, and he'll want to try and, of course, you know, get the ball and try and score, and it's been big. But not only from him, we have very much a depth team and that's the nice thing about this is that RGVFC, they don't have to worry about having a ton of 18-year-olds on the team, which is fun. We can get a bunch of now ex-Mexican League stars, ex-MLS stars, basically, and fill this team up with a chance to win this league. So we have Vicente Sanchez, a, a player who is, well, age does not matter for him. He's close to about 40 years of age. and he still looks like he's in his 20s when he's out on the pitch. Of course, he's there for half the game. Hopefully, he'll be that super sub that RGVFC need. So a lot of that is just really built around kind of him being able to lead his team forward. And it's it's nice, of course, like I said, on the defensive side is the scariest part, in my opinion, because if they do have a little bit of lapses, there's a chance that OCSE can go straight on a counterattack and really put RGVFC in, in trouble. Well, we love chaos. Um, Brad or Alan, 
either of you have anything to add? Either of you maybe watch. I know and Brad's got nothing better to do up there in Reno that he's not in his own team. So uh, what are you looking for in this match, Brad? You I'm know, sorry. I, I don't mean to rub salt in the wound. No, it's okay. Reno. It's okay. Um, I'm interested in seeing what a 41-year-old striker looks like on the field. I've watched maybe two games for uh, Rio Grande Valley this year. And, and if I thought, you know, the Pacific Division was – crazy and i couldn't tell you who's gonna win the western mountain division is even crazier um you know you have four teams the top four teams are four points within each other um all of them el paso's 21 points in 10 games um rgv man i just the road stats kind of speak for themselves i don't know what to expect i'm not the expert here obviously you know two games does not make me an expert um but hopefully orange county is just able to take care of business here on saturday um we have some comments in the chat uh f in the chat for reno so everyone throw an f up in there um beyond that uh unsurprisingly andy uh resident statistician of the orange black soccer cast beat me to my next point which was to talk about stats so look at that kind of fun stuff. If we look at it in total, these two teams are in their respective conferences in the same spot. Uh, they are on the same amount of points. It, just the one match played for the one extra match played for RGV, which happened to be a loss. Otherwise, same points and uh, goal difference is a little bit tighter for RGV. So uh, it looks so far from what I've heard from Jacob and at least from what these stats tell us that uh, this is going to be a difficult match for RGV. Um, but of course, and Alan can maybe attest because I believe this is when he first started following Orange County. Um, Orange County tends to switch off when RGV comes to town. So, Alan, uh, yes. how do you guard against that? Uh, I, I think you rest along the strength you have along your back line. I think Orange County right now has the second least goals allowed in the league. Uh, there's a couple teams with nine goals allowed. I think there's one team with eight, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, but Orange County, again, is very, very defensively solid. Uh, I, I think it doesn't matter which goalkeeper starts. I think you have a quality USL goalkeeper and goal. Uh, as long as Robbie Kiernan is healthy and he is uh, good to play in this match, I think he sl- makes that back line even more solid. Uh, we saw another great outing from Smith um, against Sacramento. Uh, I, I think that the defense is, the, it is, again, going to be the answer to Orange County. Um, and allowing that Chris Weehan, Brent Richards um, to get forward and really, um, I, I, I don't foresee Orange County really blowing anyone out of the water uh, this season, uh, but I think their strength is to defend well uh, and to uh, use their speed and their pace to um, counterattack. And then at home with our, uh, against RGV, I think they go a little bit more uh, aggressive. Knowing you have a week off after this, you're not playing another midweek match, uh, mm-hmm. although it certainly feels that way with Orange County's um, uh, schedule. I-, I think that they can go full out knowing that they have a week rest. Um, and um, I-, I think that they uh, really attack RGV and go after that back line because um, I know that they're not going to give up tons of shots and they're not going to give up tons of goals. And I think that they, they can really put it to RGV in a, a really good, exciting matchup. I think for Orange County this week is really a test of 
where they are in their development and against a very surprising RGV. I think uh, outside of RGV, I would say no one really predicted RGV to be this competitive. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think people were excited about the possibility this season about what it might look like yeah. uh, with kind of the independence, but it's one of those things in USL where it's like, you have no idea. And you know, one season to the next, you can go from the worst to one of the best. And we've seen this time and time again in USL where you get a, get the right people in, in the right system uh, and, and play well. RGV is already a tough place to play, and they're really taking advantage of that and, and putting uh, good teams on notice that RGV is a good team. Uh, let's, let's hope that they can maintain this over the course of a, a long season. Um, but... Anytime you're as successful at home as your road games are going to be f- like, you want to get a draw. I, I always say it's like draw, I'll draw away when at home. Um, and RGV is definitely showing that that mentality gets you in that playoff picture. Uh, I think it's going to be a tough matchup for both teams. Uh, Orange County's going to be tired. RGV can take advantage of some of those. Uh, but I, I really think that Orange County has the opportunity to to go full bore on this one, um, and it's gonna it should be a more enjoyable match than against Tacoma. One could only hope. Um, my only, I just have this little hunch with absolutely no basis for it, so perhaps it's all garbage. But I do happen to have this little nagging feeling in the back of my brain that tells me that Alexis Cerritos is going to somehow haunt this team and the easiest way for him to do that um is to score a goal so oh, yeah, uh, i'm gonna start with the the predictions <laughs> here and i'm gonna go with the 2-1 uh orange county victory with alexis ritos making things a little bit interesting and maybe in the process of scoring a goal he'll make edson ochoa down there uh in the rio grande valley like him a little bit more perhaps uh brad your score prediction for this match uh, I'm going to go with a uh, more defensive uh, sh- Orange County. I don't even know what word I was trying to say there. Um, I'm going to say it's 2-0 Orange County against Rio Grande Valley. Uh, Alan, your prediction. I hate you, Brad. <laughs> um, There's his prediction. So I can't go. I'm going to go. Then I'm going to go 1-0 because I don't want to be the same because I'm, I'm clearly losing this game. And so I'm. Again, having to pick like outrageous things that I don't actually think will happen, but try to to get it right and make up points. Right now, you have to just catch up on points on Dylan. I'm I'm way far behind Dylan myself, and I'm in second. So, I, you know, I think this is less of a race, and and the only tactic you have to do here, it's like when you try and guess how many jelly beans are in the jar. Just guess slightly different from what someone else has done, and you can you can fill it in yourself. Um, finally, our most knowledgeable guest, Jacob, what is your score prediction for this match? Well, I, I, well <laughs> okay, well, real quick for Ray, we're going to go another crazy match where it's going to actually be 4-4, four four, a couple of red cards happen now for both teams. I know. Um, I don't think Orange County has the players if that happens. I, I literally think we're going to see one of those like 14 on the name on the TV. This I mean, is... if you if you have two guys suspended from the loyal match, oh, you're yeah. gonna be like. <laughs> we already yeah. only named sixteen, so at this point, don't, we're don't be worry, don't worry. It's just gonna be the keeper that gets suspended, that gets a red card because he grabs somebody's ankle on trying to score. 
that's also a little tidbit to 2011 MLS championship when Tally Hall did that to one of the LA Galaxy players. Yeah, that still kind of haunts me, but I'm a Portland Timber fan now, so it doesn't necessarily haunt me too much. That's a different story for a different day. But uh, one other thing that I, of course, wanted to say is RGVFC have now a lot of depth, and that's big. And, of course, yeah, my actual uh, prediction is going to be 3-2 for myself. RGVFC end up getting the victory because, well, they're off, they've been off since the 4th of July. They haven't played a game, which is nice because – they needed – wait, I take that back. We played against Austin Bold and got ourselves a one-to-one draw when we should have gotten a one or a two-to-one win, but dropped again on goal. That shouldn't have happened. Tyler Derrick had to make some key saves from the defensive side, but they deserve this rest that they're finally going to get. So that's the biggest thing is that they don't have to play till Saturday and then don't have to play till Saturday again the following week at home against Austin. So, yeah, I think three to two victory is a possibility. I think Wilmer Cabrera will have some time to really think about his lineup. They'll probably come from behind. I don't see them taking the lead early. I see them fighting from behind and kind of getting the – putting their foot on the gas in the second half, kind of how they normally have done. So that's probably – that's yeah, that's my prediction. Well, I just want to say, Jacob, I hate both of your predictions, and I hope neither of them come true. Um, wow. It's it's like you don't want Ray to invite you back, except Ray <laughs> uh, loves this kind of nonsense. Uh, it's a shame he's not here to probably predict something like 5-0 RGB um, or wind you up about some random fact about uh, Edinburgh, Texas. So... I don't know. Uh, Jacob, in, in the spirit of Ray being here, do you want to provide us with a random little geographic uh, thing to do for people who might find themselves in Edinburgh, Texas? All right. Yeah. Find yourself in Edinburgh, Texas. Find yourself any part of Hidalgo County, which means from Edinburgh to McAllen, Sherryland, and um, I know. Oh, yeah. Far. Yes, there is a city uh, called Far, which is consisted of Far, uh, San Juan, and Alamo. That's also a very funny thing. But yeah, it, it, it's it's cool. It, I mean, if y'all didn't know, HB Park was built on a where a water park used to be. So that's fun. When they first constructed it, that was the land that they had. Uh, there's a little amphitheater inside that place, and it's really cool. The town is popping up so much. We've got a ton of construction going on on the freeways. And, well, there's a nice shopping center not too far from the stadium, which is also why they built it there. And, yeah, it's it's a fun place. People say there's nothing to do. But guess what? There's always something to do in Edinburgh, Texas. and now it's also the valley is also home to a Tesla stop, a Tesla shop up in Brownsville, Texas, and SpaceX. So that's very fun. Elon Musk visits the valley a lot too. 
So there you go. If you've ever seen any of those rocket launches, that is about an hour away from Edinburgh, Texas, and pretty fun because it's just, people say it's fake, but guess what? It's just a county road that you can go up to as close as possible and park. And on a regular day that they're not launching anything, you can literally park very close and walk on, well, maybe they won't let you necessarily on the site, but you can see the rocket if it's up, which is super cool. Look at that. It is a geography podcast after all. So look at that. Uh, we've got some fun comments in the chat. I don't know if Alan will put them up. Uh, yeah. Okay. Alan's put them up. <laughs> um, well, enjoy the space race down there in Hidalgo County. Um, it is now time. It's the final 12 minutes of our podcast. Any random soccer news? Whoa, 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 whoa. Any random soccer news from any of you gentlemen? Uh, San Diego NWSL officially hired a GM, allegedly. Um, so that's the thing. It's been pretty quiet down here, and that's concerning. But um, a women's team is coming. Another women's team is coming to San- Southern California. Yeah, um, Angel City FC last week. Oh, no, it's been about two weeks now. Released their crest. It is quite good, in my humble opinion. Um, so look at that. Women's soccer, men's soccer. Some some place for all of the uh, USL Academy Cup winning uh, girls players from Orange County SC to play professionally in just a few years. Um, Brad, Jacob, any random soccer news from you two? You got any bread? No. Okay. Well. Oh no, no, Jacob. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I, I, yeah, I do have something. It's it's pretty cool. So, I my my job is pretty cool. What I do is I get to uh, be like a legit journalist. I get to go and call uh, high school sporting events from well, high school football in Texas, which is of course as popular as it gets to soccer and softball, which is also fun. So, of course, talking about soccer here. And it's interesting because the ladies' soccer in the Valley and, of course, the men's or the boys' soccer in the Valley is really – it's next level is what I can say. State championships are no joke for that, even though people don't care about it, which is sad in itself. But my random – fact of this is that in the past a couple of years uh from 2000 2019 2020 of course that was the start of the pandemic um rgvfc for lady soccer produced at least three talented young individuals which went to power five conferences on division one scholarships which is insane to Texas A&M, Arkansas, and the Houston Cougars. So, I mean, that's just, I mean, it's very cool. And so, of course, we all know Texas A&M University this past year won themselves the regular season title. I don't believe they won the SEC outright with the playoffs, but they played against North Carolina and lost to North Carolina because North Carolina is just something else. But that goes to show that there's talent down here for 
a women's soccer team, which could happen in the next three years or so. But of course, that's just, you know, a little bit of random soccer fun fact and also kind of news. Um, wow. Wow. Thank you, Jacob. That was this. I've learned far too much on this podcast. I can only imagine how the listeners feel. Uh, that is not why they, they join this podcast. But okay. Um, it is into the final segment of the show. Everyone's favorite. Actually, it's probably everyone's least favorite. We'll see you all next week. Um, random thoughts, everyone. And Brad, we'll start with you because you know what's going on. I never know what's going on, let's be honest. Uh, my random thought is you never know how much you enjoy having something in your life until it's gone. And my missings this week, I know it's so sad, but uh, I work in trucks. And typically, you know, during the summer, it can get pretty hot. Uh, we've been at 100 degrees or hotter every single day in Reno, which is a abnormally in July. So it's been over 100 degrees every single day for the past 13 plus days. Um, one of our vehicles, the air conditioning broke in it. Oh, no. Oh, and no. those cabs in the trucks can get mm-hmm. 10 to 20 degrees hotter than outside sometimes. Um, so it sucks when you get assigned one of those trucks. Uh, today I was assigned one of those trucks and I had to drive up to Truckee, which is a very modest 90 degrees outside um with a slight breeze but still you know it's absolutely it absolutely uh sucks when you miss out on something that you take for granted and people look at you and they're like when i was a kid and i'm like yeah i'm happy i wasn't a kid when you were a kid ac is nice to have so yeah so your random thought is that you miss freon am i correct something along those lines yes Great. Um, I Jacob. Up. <laughs> All right. My random thought is this. Well, of course, it is race week, which is fun. Which means it is for for F one, and so of course I'm a huge racing fan from F one, IMSA, all that, all all the auto racing. And what I'm talking about here is it's also race week for the series called the W series, which is so much fun to uh, watch back in the pandemic. It was tough. The drivers were supposed to have a series and W series stands for the women's uh, racing series basically. And so uh, they decided to string a lot of the races. And I've been a fan of that. And I got to race against some of them on Twitch. And so a random thought is of course, well, I don't know. I'm just excited for the race. These cars don't have any DRS or anything like that. So normally if you try to make a move to pass, you can get, you know, gobbled up in the field and they're very aggressive as well. So it's just fun to watch and good luck to Alice Powell, Abby pulling and Sarah Moore. Those were the Twitch streamers that I was racing that I would race against throughout the uh, pandemic. So that's very fun. They're at Silverstone this weekend. And that is Friday, Saturday, Sunday for the whole race weekend. Yo, Lewis Hamilton. I love weird niche sport crossovers. Um, Alan, your random thought for this week. Uh, my random thought is um, get vaccinated. If you're not vaccinated, please wear your mask. Please take care of each other. Uh, we see news of uh, the Delta variant and it growing in certain areas. 
Uh, so we're still not out of it. Please take care of each other. Look out for each other. And um, if you can, please get vaccinated. Oh, a public health announcement from Alan Underwood. Yep. Uh, my random thought from this week is to uh, not um, maybe guess where revenue comes for other teams. This is a very niche one that no one's going to get. Um, so, yeah, I'm just not going to have a random thought, but don't throw stones when you live in a glass house. And drink some water to cure a hangover. Those are my, my random thoughts for this week. Um, Jacob, do you want to tell everyone where they can find you on the internet? All right. For Twitter, you can find me on JacobYoung456. You can find the podcast at Down in the RGV on Twitter, as well as on Spotify. And we go live. We will be going live actually tomorrow on Wednesday. I believe most likely at 7.30 on YouTube. And maybe Facebook. I don't know if Edson keeps changing where we go live. Blame blame Edson. That's also another hashtag on there. He uses that a lot as well. So, yeah, we just make banter with each of our hosts, it seems like. But, yeah, that's where you can basically find me for sure. I'm active a lot on Twitter, JakeYoung456. And if you want to chat with the podcast, down in the RGB. Bradley, where can uh, everyone find you? On uh, well, it says it right beneath me down here at <laughs> Pal on the Sky as I do it backwards. There we go. At Pal on the Sky. Four words, one Twitter handle. And I talk soccer and every now and then dabble in other nerdy stuff. Wow. Well, I'm proud of your ability to count to the number four. Alan, where can people find you? Android for you on the Twitter machines. Android for you on the Twitter machines each and every week. Um, well, if you want to somehow find me on Twitter, it's right there at OCSE underscore Dylan. But for our guest, Jacob, for Brad, for Alan, and for myself, thank you for listening to the hashtag Samora Out episode of the Orange and Black Soccer Cast. Uh, we will see some of you tomorrow night in San Diego. We will see some of you Saturday night in Orange County. And for the rest of you, we'll see you next week, Tuesday night at 8.30. Uh, for all of us, this has been the Orange and Black Soccer Cast. And we are out. <laughs>